Welcome to the Volley Pod, where we're all about coaching kids volleyball. With drills, skills, and scenarios, we keep things fast, fun, and effective. Presented by the Art of Coaching Volleyball, the Volley Pod is your new source for coaching information. Good morning and welcome to the Volley Pod. How are you today, Todd? Doing well, Davis. Good to hear your voice. How have you been? How's the squad doing? Give me the give me give me the update. I'm doing great. We had our uh, first tournament after the new year and uh, did pretty well and learned a lot about our team. I thought we performed pretty well and have a lot of room for growth as well. So I'm I'm stoked. It's going in the right give me, direction. Give me the top two things that you think you need to do better that you're kind of coming back in the gym to attack when you start practicing again. So routine ball control on the first touch. So we had some chances to put ourselves in system that were fairly doable, and we kind of threw ourselves out of system. So especially front row defense and off blocker defense, those are probably- Ooh, front row off blocker stuff. Yeah. It's funny how often that happens, you know. Yep, I I try to train it, but um, it still needs more work. So that's probably the one of the big things, and then stabilizing some outside hitters in serve receive. Um, they were able to get us out of system, you know, quite a bit with their tough serving, moving them short deep on our outsides. Okay. So we, um, so we got to work on that, but they're, they're getting at it. They're getting at it. So it's all good. Cool. Yeah. We're going to talk stuff. about some of that stuff today. So today we got an interesting episode. We're going to go scenario, scenario, videos, and then a great resource. So we're going to awesome, start off with... Awesome. I think you're going to get us started with the scenario. Yes, absolutely. And this is a scenario that's all too familiar to many people. My, tomb, my team makes too many errors. My team makes too many errors. Okay, so let's talk about this scenario. First of all, very common. And one of the things you got to ask yourself is what is too many? Okay. Um, I think that that depends, right? I, and I want to tell a quick story about this. When I was coaching at Coast back in the day, we won a, a smaller national tournament with the 13 ones um, with the parents going the whole time. You're missing too many serves. You're missing too many serves. And I was saying, basically, we're winning the national title. Like, what is going wrong? Like, well, are we really missing too many serves? And I guess the point there is, you got to find that balance for your team between playing aggressively and playing cleanly and not airing, right? You could probably not air and just give them the ball every time. Um, but will that help you win? It will to a certain level, but only to a certain level. Um, right. And so finding uh, that, that cutoff line between how aggressive we can be and how, um, you know, consistent we can be at making sure that the ball's in play uh finding that balance is key and i'm going to talk about some of that stuff yeah it's that whole idea of risk reward right yes risk reward right and i guess my first point is going to be address the root cause like i see um you know in modern medicine where we often you know go to the doctor and they say hey take a pill for this and you'll be better and you know what it, what we want to do is not just take a little pill to address the um, what the outcomes, I, sh I guess I should say. We want to address the root cause. So if you're hitting a bunch of balls out, okay, 
we're going to go to the root cause, which could be your arm swing. It could be your feet. There's lots of different things that it could be. But what we're not going to do is say, well, just set it in right now. That may be good for the short term. Right. So in a match, you may say something like that. I'm talking to a younger player, but we're not going to go away from them trusting the things that are good habits and that are root core skills. So if you're, hit, if you're hitting a bunch of balls out, let's work on your arm swing, right? If you're serving a bunch of balls out, let's work on, you know, your serves, you know, your serve and your toss. And, you know, there's so many different things that you can work on. Um, but I also wanted to stress that I think all too often coaches work on the execution of the skill portion when in match time, the skill, the perception, the choices and the execution all really matter, right? And a lot of time it's perception errors or choice errors where yeah, they the have... decision-making stuff. That's yes. the stuff that I have a bunch that hold this. Give me, tell me something about choices. How, how are you teaching that? Well, so we like to work in different modalities when we are training the choices. So what I mean by that is we'll go, you must hammer right now. And we'll play a game, um, just we call it bombs away, where if you don't hit, the point goes the other way and you have to hit full speed. So one of the things is creating that aggression. But now if you only play like that, then you're going to probably be high air. Right. So then we also have situations where we say, if you make even one error, you lose the entire game. Like the, we're going to play a game to seven. But if you err before then, maybe four or five actually would probably be more like it. But if you err, if, if you err before, then you're going to lose the whole game. So it's like you want to put them in different modalities so that they can get good at working in those. So I like, like it. Constraints led approach. Yeah. So I love the constraints. I like it. Yes. Um, and then you want to, and I think you're great at this, Todd, like you want to define what an acceptable type of error is, right? Um, for example, a no-go would not be okay, but a full speed go move that you shank could be okay, even yep. though they both result in the point for the other team. Right. What's another one you do that so would we yeah. don't like hitting errors on, on bad sets. Right. Right. So that's a huge one for us. And that is, hey, if you get a set that you think you can, you know, hit hard and, you know, put pressure on the other team, then go for it. If you make an error on a good set and you feel good, timing's good, set looks good, rip it. Right. However, if it's a bad set, your timing's off, sets too low, sets too high. Our, our reward now is we don't think we're going to get a kill on this. So we want to be very low risk. So put the ball in the middle of the court. Make them do something with it, and we'll play defense. Yes, and I love this idea. And this leads right into the, the next sort of point I got. It's categorize your errors and disallow certain types of errors in your gym. Right. So for you, it's you got to hit on a good set, basically. Yep. Or not not you have to, but essentially you got to be aggressive, right? Score yep. on a good set. And you got to make sure that that ball is in play on a bad set or you're off balance or whatever. Right. Um, and so we want to categorize this. Not all errors are the same. Yep. Right. And in terms of value to your team, all errors are not the same. Right. So going for it on a good set, there's a good chance you could score. It's worth the opportunity of taking an error. And I wanted to point that out just because everyone thinks just taking errors is bad. 
it, you're going to take some errors if you're playing aggressively, right? Yeah. Like I played a bunch of volleyball with uh, David McKenzie, who was like a, a reserve on the national team for a yeah, while. David had a big arm. He had a big arm, but you know what? He hit a bunch of balls into the crowd, <laughs> like 10 rows up. And but, but that's how you become a hammer. You got a hammer, you yep. know? So anyways, that's just something I wanted to point out. But the other thing is, again, perception, choice errors, and execution errors, all of these need to be practiced, right? So we, we practice the execution a lot. Right. But are we practicing the choice enough? And I think oftentimes that's what fails them in the game. You know, um, I try to go sharp around the big block. There's not a lot of court there. That's a choice versus yep. an execution where I could, you know, try to tool the block or whatever, make a different, more optimal choice. And then a perception error, I try to be really gentle with the, the team when they make uh, perception errors in competition because those are the least controllable in my mind. So I think it's going deep and it drops short. That's a yep. perception error. And I try to be fairly gentle with my approach towards that because it's like, how could you not read that? That's not going to help them right. in, in that. Um, so it's not very controllable. Um, now we're talking about my, okay, let's go. Let, go me, let me throw yeah, one more in. thing yeah. there with that perception. And that is, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think being gentle with those is one thing, but is there a way that we can be better at helping the kids who have better perception assist the kids who aren't as good? Good point. So it would be like, hey, Sid, did you see that? Did you see that serve coming short? So what were you looking at? Can you help, uh, you know, can you help Mary, uh, picking up cues because you're getting them and she's not. And, and I haven't done a very good job of teaching you guys this. Can you help each other? I love that. And perception's hard, right? It's Seeing hard. that ball drop short, you may, it, it could, it could be argued that you have a better angle to see that from off the ball. Right. Yep. And so I totally agree. I think that's a really, really good point. Can we help each other with the perception? Because well, it is. And, and I'll, I'll throw the other thing out there is the one person who I think, is often undervalued with perception is the setter. Okay. How so? So if we look at, let's say, you know, rotation five, uh, rotate, you know, it, anytime the, the setter is up at the net, maybe row four, uh, when she's close to the target area, she is the closest person to the server. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. And she also is one of your most perceptive kids. If she's the setter, she has a good feel for flight of ball. Yes, that's a good point. Can she help the passers? Yeah. Especially when she sees that second tempo dropper. I like that. I like that a lot. That's a good point. Yeah. I think that's a really good one. And just getting everyone to be a part of that, I think, is really cool, especially the setters. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I that's really interesting. I really like to divide those things and put perception in there because I really identified that as a category. I, all of my stuff has been kind of piecemeal. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But and but I, it's so so we're all learning here, so it's all good. Yeah, no, putting um, it as a category it makes it you know gives it more importance and it needs more importance. So that's great. What else yeah. you got? Okay, so. 
the connecting skills is often what affects the execution ability. So what I mean by that is, and you were, and you were kind of mentioning this with the talking off the ball, right? If I'm in your way and you go to try to pass, you're not going to pass as well. And so, so a lot of times it's the connecting pieces. So what am I doing if I'm not the person playing the ball? Can I clear space for you? Can I give you a good call? Right. right. So I think those yep. create errors. Right. So we need to recognize that and spend some time on that for sure. Um, as far as attacking, which is where most of your errors are going to come um, once you're past the serving stage, most errors are going to come with the younger kids as serving and then attacking. And so um, I like to play a red light, yellow light, green light game. So okay. we'll we'll put the ball in the air and the coach will decide red light, yellow light, green light, red light. It must be in. Yellow light, they have to system play and they have to eliminate one option. And green light, they have to score. Okay. And so those are the, the uh, that's one way you can practice some of the choices stuff where they don't essentially make it. You're making it for them, but then they get practice playing in these different ways. And then could you throw them sets and then have them call it and attack it? That's exact. That's the next phase. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Sweet. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the next phase. And I, I love that. And then ideally they just take it and they can feel it themselves and say, yeah, that was probably a yellow light situation. You know, I probably should have. Once again, great that you're naming it. I love that stuff when, Hey, when you name it, you can teach it. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and then I guess this other one I wanted to touch on is this practice match differential. So a lot of times we'll feel like we're making too many errors because we're really not playing real volleyball in practice. And, and I've done this many times in the past where you get to where you're playing a bunch of USA and spinning in balls or whatever, and you look good in practice, but this is the whole train ugly thing. It's like, you got to train ugly to train in reality. Um, and if, if reality is ugly, then that's okay. But then you, at least you know how many errors we're making and where they're coming from uh, versus, you know, putting spinners in all the time or making them look good in practice. Um, I'm into no spinners in ever. <laughs> I like that too. I haven't hit a ball this whole year. So that's unless, that's, unless yeah. we're working on, hey, perfect ball control with easy spinners. Yes. It sounds like for you, it's like, hey, with your team now, you're going to be putting a bunch of weird stuff into the front row. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And then um, i got a couple more quick little ones right here. Um, as a coach, when a player makes an error, just take a deep breath and realize that volleyball is hard. Like, uh, have you seen that soccer thing where they made the court really – or the, the field super big like it would be for, for a little kid? But oh, they had adults that. playing? Well, I've seen that with volleyball. Oh, you seen that with volleyball? I want to yeah. see that because like it, that must be so cool because volleyball is hard, especially when you're young and yep. you haven't played that much. And even if you're tall, like a lot of our kids are tall, they just don't have the experience, right? They, so perception. We play, on, we play actually, our 12s play on a bigger court with a lower net, right? That makes the right. court bigger than our men's Olympic team. Right. <laughs> Which is kind of just crazy, right? And so, no, I think that's a good one. So, what is too many errors? You know, if there's a couple back to back, is that too many? I'd say you got to weigh it out and just take a deep breath and realize volleyball is hard. And then have the athletes tr fully commit, right? If they fully commit and make an error, that's the type of error that we can coach, right? Yeah. If they're half committed, it gets really difficult. And then finally, let your drills do the heavy lifting. 
so that you can be giving them feedback on things that take some discussion like choices and um, and like situations. So the drill is it is making them sort of do what you ask them to do. And then that way you're free to, instead of coaching the drill. Right. You're not nagging them about stuff that you have a constraint in the drill. Exactly. I yep. love it. That's, that's yeah. great stuff. So, I mean, I really like to push the boundaries of aggressiveness and then have them back off. I think that for me, that's that's my sort of tactic. But some coaches go the other way. You know, it's like they say we want everything in and then we're going to sort of push the aggressiveness. And so there's a bunch of different ways you can go. But I hope those ideas help someone. Do you have any on this, Todd? No, I like. Hey, I, I think that you're going to make errors yep. and that we celebrate our good errors and right. they, you know, they don't play scared because you're celebrating those errors. And when they hit a ball out, it's a good set. You go, Hey, that's the right kind of error. And they yep. don't see body language from me. That's negative. And they don't see me, you know, yep. you know, big sigh and right. uh, something like that when they make an attacking error. Right. Yep. Absolutely. No, I love it. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So that's my well, scenario. We'll so we're on the second one. Yeah, we're on to your scenario. What are we what are we talking about? My team is not mentally tough. Oh, I've never had that before. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a great one. Okay, so let's talk about this. So first of all, is it true? Oh, this is I interesting. I think a lot of times it's not true. And that is, are we slapping a label on my team and in doing so making it worse? Ooh, hot take. This is a hot take. I like this one. So, yeah, uh, that comes it kind of talk, talks about what we were talking about a little before and why I love what you said early on is what does this mean? Can we define this? We have this kind of, you know, fuzzy notion of this mental toughness. And if we can't define it with clarity, then we can't teach it and we can't change the behaviors. Great point. Yep. And so I guess my first, the first problem I have with, with this idea is most coaches, I think, when they talk about this, they go, well, my team loses close sets. Right. So they're not mentally tough. Right. And been... my, my question would be, well, let's take a closer look at that. Is that true? If you're losing, let's say you go to a tournament, let's say you go to your first two tournaments and you play, what, three matches in each tournament. So you have six matches and let's say you lose um, four of those uh, in some close sets. Mm. Right. Yeah. So you're in overscore or you're in the you know third set and it's 15, 13. Now that's a super small sample size. It happened four times. Right. right. And so first, is it random luck? Sometimes yeah. it's 13 all and the other team hits a clipper ace and then they miss hit a ball that goes to your worst passer. She shanks it and it's over. Does that mean that your whole team is not mentally tough? That's what happens point. if you hit a clipper ace and you shank a serve that goes to their worst passer? Does that mean your team is mentally tough? Right. right. So I think we have to be careful. I think that's a really, really good observation for sure. So yeah. we have to... We have to be careful about that. Secondly, is it mental deficiency or is it simply a skill thing? Yes. Are we missing serves? Are we getting aced? 
Are we hitting balls out at the end of sets? Are we setting the wrong player? Yep, absolutely. And at the end of sets, you know, we should be, we should have a plan and we should know, okay, this is how, hey, maybe we don't give um, sideline service calls um, at the end of sets. We're only serving, you know, the midcourt seams. Whatever those things are, but we have some ways that we are going to say, hey, we're going to make them play at the end of sets. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. That's a really good point. Um, next, if it's a team issue, is it a team issue? Or is it just a certain player issue who seems more affected by pressure? That's a really good point. So maybe it's just one person. Maybe your best server gets back there and gets a little yippy at the end of sets. And so it's not a situation or maybe your setter, you know, um, throws a ball at the end of sets. Does that mean that your whole team's not mentally tough? And should we be slapping labels on our team and talking about that to our team? We need to be mentally tough. Like the other team's going, wait a minute, I'm not mentally tough. What was wrong with me? Right. No, that's such a good point. Yeah. So those are kind of the first thing as we evaluate using this term. So secondly, we're going to frame it positive with clarity. So rather than saying we're not mentally tough, we want to be resilient and we want to be our best when our best is needed in close sets. I like that. We have resilient means that, hey, we're not going to let a bad streak affect the next point. Secondly, we want to be our best when our best is needed. Can we be good at the end of close sets? Can we celebrate the fact when we win close sets? When we win and we go, hey, that's who we are. We win close sets. That's awesome. Yeah. So let's talk about those two things. Resilient. Number one, I think some of it comes from the coach. Coach communication. We're going to stay in the present and don't let the past adversely influence the future. So when I communicate as a coach, I need to be future oriented. I need to be next play oriented and I can't be rubbing in the mistake that happened on the last play. Agreed. hundred percent. Secondly, you know, I'm a huge huddle guy. Yes. And if we want to be resilient, then can we be consistent in the huddle? Can we sprint in every time, win five points in a row, lose five points in a row, sprint in every time, positive body language, good eye contact, and whatever routine we have in that huddle, we do it the same every time. Great point. Number three, player communication, that we're in the next play. I got this from Courtney Thompson. She she didn't like this idea of my bad. Yeah. Because I, that's the idea of assigning blame. Yeah. Of assigning blame, whether to other players or to ourselves. Yep. We're not going to do it. We're going to be, hey, we're going to get the next point. I like that. Uh, along with that player communication, more communication rather than less when things aren't going well. Oh, that's a good one. It's easy to go quiet. Yep. Yep. That's a good one. Um, added to that bench demeanor. Uh, yep. With being resilient. And then practice situations. Hey, how many times have we gone into practice and said, okay, um, let's play. And you turn around the scoreboard and they look at it and it's four to 20. Right. <laughs> they go, what's going on? Play. Right. And then we, we look at those things. And go, hey, we're getting our butts kicked. What do we look like when that happens? Right. This is our resiliency test. Are we going to pass it or fail it? 
Yeah, I like that. That's a good one. I haven't done that very much. I've done it with like little, you know, little leads, but yep. I like the idea of doing it with a big lead because that happens a ton, A and B. Um, like you said, it's just, is it different? It's a different skill. Yep. Mentally. I like that. That's awesome. Cool. Yep. All right. The second one is be our best in close sets. And, you know, we'll have some after 20 rules I'll have for our setters as far as, hey, who are the hitters we, we want the ball to go to after 20? So we have some specific things there. Um, coaching reminders, adjustments, demeanor. As a coach, I've seen the opponent. Can I help my team by predicting the future? Um, that is, hey, if their one server was targeting our outside hitter, can I move my libero over to take a bigger chunk in that situation? Can I remind my players the best place to tip if they get in trouble? Can I remind my players, listen, this is their worst attacking rotation. This is when the setter dumps. Right. Yes. So can that, can I help them predict the future in close sets? Uh, dealing with pressure, serving routine, deep breath. Have we spent time teaching our players? It's about. Yeah. Okay. And then finally, hey, catch them doing it right. Hey, if we lose a 1921 third set game, right? Mm -hmm. My team made my team might have made a bunch of great set saving plays along the way. Yes. And usually we don't remember those. We remember the, when we win, remember the great plays. When we lose, remember the worst plays. That's but can we remember those great plays even when we lose? Those were still clutch plays they made. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That's a good one. So, so that's it. I love it. I love it. It's a, that's a bunch of good stuff. We only got about four minutes left now. So, but we let's did want to go let's, uh, we'll, of these videos. Okay. I'll talk about a couple of videos. Yeah. Um, you know, I went video hunting and it was kind of fun because I didn't have a theme and I just got to go just poke around. And the first one I saw was uh, my buddy, Don Patterson okay. did a blog that included a video of Samantha Bricio. I think you've seen this video. Oh it's yeah. Her hitting. And it's just, Don's point is it's just a great teaching video for attacking because it is, she is just poetry in motion. So awesome. that's the first one. Yes. Okay. And the second one is Mike Seeley who recently uh, retired from the UCLA job. Yeah. And he's I'm talking not. about a couple different ways to set in the way kids touch the ball setting um, using their wrists as a lever and then using their forearms as a lever and the difference. He wasn't really, telling us you know teaching uh like one, one or way other. or the other he was okay. showing both and i thought it was interesting it's great food for thought that video for yeah sure. yeah and then the last one was one i really liked jamie morrison was talking about his time with the with dutch national team and he had these learning experts come in and observe his practice and give him feedback and they ripped him to shreds <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Okay. That's cool. And then he Everybody told the story it? about uh, learning about working memory that he was just shoving all this stuff into him and not really giving him a chance. And then the idea of internal and external cues and feedback. So that's another good one that is just a, a great reminder for us uh, that, Hey, if we're going to be good coaches, we have to become expert teachers and there's a bunch of great, great, stuff out there to learn and get better.
Absolutely. And I love learning about how to teach because I think a lot of times we learn about what to teach. And I think a lot of times knowing how to teach is even more important. So I think that that, those are some really great videos to check out if you want to get better with that stuff. Great point. We have time for a a quick uh, resource. We got about one minute. Okay, I'll throw out my resource. Perfect. www.maxoutmindset.com. Larry okay. Widman is the guy. He's done a bunch of work with Nebraska Volleyball. He is working with uh, Taryn Cloth and, and Kristen Newth. I was listening okay. to the podcast. He's got a bunch of material. He's got a book and he's got a pod. And he talks about confidence being preparation, self-talk, communication with teammates. He breaks it down. Good stuff. Check it out. Is that that's Max Out Mindset? www.maxoutmindset.com. So it's all one word, Max Out Mindset. Love it. What a great episode. Two scenarios, two scenarios, videos, and some excellent uh, resources at the end there. So, such a great episode. Thanks so much, Todd. I will see you on the next one. Perfect, Davis. Thank you. Great stuff. I, I enjoyed it. Bye bye. 